0: Welcome to the Centerpoint Vineyard podcast. We're a church on Sydney's northern beaches seeing lives transformed by Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, for those listening at home, if you have missed this morning, God has just done some ministry um, on repentance in our worship and that is very convenient because I'm about to talk to us about confession. So the Lord is good, he knows what he's doing. Um, And and I just, you know, what Jonathan was just saying, this is the God we worship, but this is also the God that we confess to. um, And this is the God that we come to in our vulnerable state. So I just think that's great. Um, So I'm just gonna pray quickly again as we get started and just, yeah, acknowledge that he's here and he's got a better plan than I do. So Lord God, I just, we just come before you. Thank you that you are King and you are Lord, and you are our Father. Um, And so we just come to meet with you, God. I just pray that you would take these words of mine and make them yours, amen. And I am gonna try and get a chair without making this. Super smooth, awesome. So when Jonathan first asked me to do a talk from Tyler's book on prayer, the options were that he gave me intercessional prayer as participation and then later it morphed into TBC and this is from an email from him. Um, TBC, confession, intercession, petition, persistence. And I thought to myself, well, there's no way I'm doing confession. I am a lawyer. For those who don't know, we justify. Um, I work work in family law now, but my background is in crime and in particular criminal sentencing statistics. And that's where we talk about the reasons why what we did isn't that bad. Um, I am a master linguist, shall we say, and can talk myself into or out of most things especially guilt, shame and confession, which don't sound particularly fun. Um, A very recent example is that about a week before Jonathan asked me to talk on prayer and all other things holy, I was sitting in traffic in my car on the way to work, chatting away to my husband on the phone um, and texting my work colleagues because I was in court that day and running late. Now I have Apple CarPlay, but you can't talk and text at the same time with Apple CarPlay. So I was obviously using my hands very next minute a police officer doesn't just pull me over he taps on my window because we're sitting in traffic and I'm not moving anywhere and nor is he and directs me to pull down the next stream oh the shame so whilst I should have cried and sought forgiveness instantly instead as it was happening and even after he left I was blame shifting justifying and all-round denying any culpability for what i had literally just done um so i don't like confession or guilt or shame um, but the lord obviously had other plans and so i am here to journey with you as we learn a little bit more about confession um, and actually the beautiful open door that god has for us in confession Mm. so here we are we'll see if i can here we go the big button, Prue. Confession. Um, The word still gets me, and so I wanna bring in some Latin, also lawyer. Um, (laughs) Confession has its root in the Latin word confiteri, which I'll probably say wrong, but at its heart is to acknowledge. Um, And so I wanna suggest, and I hope that this morning helps us to see that confession is this wide open door that the Lord opens for us that leads us to a deeper, richer experience of him that doesn't end with guilt, shame, And confession but it starts from that place of acknowledgement Um, but before we get too deep into the confessions of a rule-breaking lawyer I want to circle back quickly to where we've been because what I think the Lord wants to do this morning is to remind us about who it is we're confessing to and why it is that we confess which really starts with the posture of prayer that we've been talking about over these last couple of weeks. So if you have been tracking with us, we're going through a book um, by Tyler Staton on praying like monks and living like fools. And where we started with Jonathan a couple of weeks ago um, was on the posture of prayer. And if you had been paying attention, there'll be a test later. um, The key verse for that was to be still and know that I am God. So be still and know that I'm God. That's both an invitation to rest and relax, but it's also an assurance that I am God. And um, it's also a reminder that we are not. And so the be still prayer posture invites us into a moment of realigning with the reality that we exist in. So the, the time of worship that we've just had is such an amazing opportunity for us to pause and to remember that this is the God, this is God and we are not. So. We might be a servant, we might be a child, we might be a friend, but I suppose importantly, both in that moment of prayer, but in our day-to-day life, it's worth remembering that we are not God, but He is God. Then last week, um, we looked at adoration, the prayer that raises God to His proper place, not just as God, but as wonderful, hallowed and praised. It's another reminder. um, And the key verse from that week was, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so it's not just a reminder about the fact that God is to be hallowed, but also that God is our father. And so just as we are reminded of who he is, our father, we are also reminded of who we are in relation to that. We are children of God. Um, and there's this beautiful verse in one John three that says, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Um, And so I say all of that at the outset to say that God is the one to whom we pray and our Father is the one to whom we confess. Your confession is safe with him. You're safe with him. And you're loved by him already, totally and completely. But as the saying goes, he loves you just as you are, but he doesn't want to leave you as you are. And so confession is this beautiful invitation to acknowledge and expose ourselves and return to that, that true state that God had intended in the garden, that naked, unashamed, fully loved person that God longs for us to be. Um, In the book Tyler speaks about sin and notes that our instinctive human response is to hide, or in my case to justify. The gut reaction is to ignore, to avoid, blame, shift, justify and straight out deny what's wrong. Um, And I think our world really enables that and so you know, for me, I dress up in my suit for work, I look all fancy, I come home or do school pickup, take off my jacket but keep on my mum face, smiling and shining, justifying any of my anger or impatience because of this, that or the other. Usually my four-year-old child, God bless her and forgive me. Um, and then in the moments of silence, I fill that with scrolling or reading or watching or listening or anything so that I don't have to sit in the silence of my own thoughts. Um, and confront what might be lurking underneath. When what God really wants is to peel that away so that I can move into deeper relationship with Him. Practicing the Way, which is um, run by John Mark Comer, are doing a series on silence and solitude at the moment. And they put up this great post recently on Instagram, which I think really resonates with me in that moment of silence. And so if I've timed it right, there we go. So if you feel this when entering solitude, you're not alone. And some of this I think is really true as we come into this posture of prayer where we're, we're inviting God to meet us um, in that stillness and silence. So if you feel this when you're entering solitude, you're not alone. Exhaustion. Often the first thing we feel is just tired because we don't know how to take a rest. And so when we stop, we feel tired. Fear. It's less praying and more worrying in God's general direction. Anyone can relate? Sadness. Sorrow and joy intermix in this life whilst we wait for Jesus' return. Anger, all your hurts come up. And shame, and I think this is particularly true when we talk about confession. Who we are, the good, the bad and the ugly is all laid bare before God and us in that moment of stillness. And it doesn't always feel that pretty. But I wanna say that we're not alone in that we're invited to this stillness and solitude but to confess but it can feel uncomfortable that being said you're certainly not alone and it's what has been happening from the beginning so if we talk let's see where we're up to yeah adam and eve um in the garden with adam and eve you'll remember that the first thing so adam and eve you know going along doing their thing eve is Told by a serpent, well, so firstly, God says, don't eat from the fruit of the tree. This specific fruit, this specific tree, this one tree in the whole beautiful garden that I presume was full of delicious, lovely other trees and other fruit. He says, don't eat from this tree. The serpent comes along and says, Eve, that tree's not so bad. That fruit's pretty good. And Eve goes, all right, I'll have a go. God said, no, but let's do it. I think that might get me what I want. She tries it, she says, Adam, let's have a go. This is tasty. It's good fruit and it's good for eating. And then the fruit opens their eyes and says, oh, you're naked. And all of a sudden that's a problem. So they go and they cover themselves with fig leaves and they hide. God who had been walking in the garden day to day with them then comes for their afternoon stroll. And he doesn't immediately say, what have you done? He says to them, where are you? He is looking for them. He is still inviting them to come. In some of the Hebrew, they talk about that as this invitation. He is inviting them to come back to him, to confess and to acknowledge and re-enter that relationship. Eventually, God finds them because hide and seek with him is probably a little bit tough. (laughs) And then comes the scapegoating, the blame shifting. She made me do it. The serpent made me do it. My behavior with the cop is exactly the same as every man, woman and child before me. I am a lawyer and a historical avoider of all kinds of conflict, which Alex can well confirm. I think, I think our first fight, he said, well, if you're not going to talk about it, I'll leave then. And I said, okay, that's the door. See you later. Um, obviously, we <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> but so what might you say then is the point of confession. We avoid things that are bad for us. Guilt and shame sounds pretty uncomfortable, so why wouldn't we hide? Why wouldn't we shame? Blame shift? Why wouldn't we avoid? Well, because there's a better way. Um, And the thing that got you into that jam is probably not the best way for you or for those around you. Now, let me see. (laughs) Yeah. So I've recently started running, and I obviously look a lot like this. (laughs) And nothing at all like this. (laughs) I don't know if it – there we go got sunscreen in my eye, forgot my hat, I'm angry, I find the tranquil spot down at Narrabeen Lagoon, and I definitely fall over. Um, so what what is the relationship between running and confession? And thank you, Mrs. Space Cadet. Um, confession is an invitation for us to look at what we're doing and to acknowledge it, and then ideally improve. In running, and you know, I'm obviously a pro by now, they talk about the idea of videoing yourself running. What? Oh my goodness, it'd be awful. But they do it for a number of reasons. To work out your stride, your form, your cadence. I think those are running terms. Chris has left the building. <laughs> Kirsty, I hear a lot about it. Yeah, hear, <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent. Those sound like running words. Um, the rest of the runners are probably at the half marathon or the Sydney marathon today. but. Anyway, credit to you all. So they video in order to identify what's wrong with the stride. They video to work out what's happening in order to improve, to say, okay, well, that's it. You need a new pair of shoes, hashtag marketing 101, whatever it is, in order so that they can improve. And so confession and confronting our vulnerabilities with the Lord is the same. We confess and confront our inadequacies so that we can acknowledge it and move forward. My behavior and my sin is a reflection of my denial of God's control in my life. Um, My desperate attempt to rule time mostly and control the chaos of my life. My texting in the car is a manifestation of my desire to take control and fit more into less time. I didn't need to be texting and calling obviously and I don't need to fit in five things before dinner. What I need to practice is being present rather than being busy. My four-year-old knows it all too well. She's frequently saying, oh, we'll probably be late usually because I've tried to do too many things in too little time. Um, I need to trust the Lord, but in those moments, I don't. I want to take control back. And so my kids suffer, my husband probably suffers, my friends suffer, my family, my clients, the people around me suffer because by prioritizing my time, I'm disrespecting theirs. and so I'm always trying to do too much and wrestling with that because I want to fit it all in. But I also know that God has called me to a life of peace and joy. And the busyness is not really conducive with that. So for me in this, I'm acknowledging, confessing and re- confessing and wrestling to find the better way, the Jesus way. Um, and so I want to talk a bit, let's see. Um, so in the book, In the book, Tyler talks about sin in a number of different ways, but one of the things he says is that sin inhibits us from doing what we were made to do best, to love, to receive love and to give it, to enter into this life that God has for us. And yes, at the beginning there is this repentance and this return to the Lord, but I want to suggest that confession and this acknowledgement is actually an invitation to daily come back to God and to feel the renewal or the restoration of that salvation daily and to dig deep into that. So Jesus says, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly of heart. You'll find rest for your souls. In the Psalms, David says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so these are all the things that God is offering us, but we often find that there is some kind of block or or we're not there yet. And I don't think we are. I don't know if anyone gets there yet before we get to heaven, but confession and this acknowledgement is our opportunity to stand before God and to have him renew us and redirect us and move us forward. And the other thing is that hiding and blame shifting is not always a great idea. Um, So David in Psalm 32 talks about it like this. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And I I think for those of us who have experienced guilt in our lives, we know that it can feel pretty uncomfortable and it can feel pretty heavy before we acknowledge it, um, before we bring it to the light. Um, David goes on to say, "'Then I acknowledged my sin to you "'and did not cover up my iniquity. "'I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, "'and you forgave the guilt of my sin.'" Um, That Psalm talks about blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, and in Christ, all of our sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Kind of lost track of where the slides are up to, so we'll find out. Um, Tyler Staton, so this is in his book on prayer. He says, sin inhibits us from doing what we were made to do best, to love, to receive it and to give it. So in terms of confession, if we're not fully exposed or fully revealed fully us in the presence of our Lord, how can we be fully loved? How can we fully experience the grace of God if we will not fully acknowledge our shortfall? How can we fully experience freedom if we do not fully surrender? At its heart, sin says, I've got this, that my way is better. But who in the light of day can truly say that their better is better than God's? Um, I am a lawyer and I have tried and I'm definitely wrong. God has a way that offers life and abundance of peace and joy and freedom. But the sin that we fail to acknowledge and fail to confess entangles us and prevents us from stepping into that. God cannot transform who we are pretending to be. And so in the kindness of his presence, we need to stand before him um, in stillness and solitude, in quiet reflection, remembering who is this God who is compassionate, gracious, kind slow to anger and rich in love allow him to search us to prompt us and to acknowledge our sin and from there enter the deeper richer life that he has for us the journey of confession is an ongoing experience of his grace to repent and believe is just the beginning the grace of the lord is unending the peace the joy and the freedom is unexplainable We can never reach the ends of it, but in confession we can experience more of it. And so as we finish, I wanna take a minute and let the Holy Spirit meet with you um, to search you and know you. I'm not gonna ask that you confess here wide out in the open, but I think that God wants to do some work with us. Um, And it's invitation only. Jesus is saying, come to me I'm not here to force you into a place that you don't wanna go, but there is an invitation that is to come and to meet with him and to go deeper with him. In John 6:37, Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Um, or in the old language, I will in no wise cast out. And in, in um, a book that I was reading recently, it was quoted and I forgot to write down who said it. Um, but I just wanna to read to you this, this kind of reflection on what Jesus says in John 6, 37. But I'm a great sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast you out, says Christ. But I'm an old sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I'm a hard-hearted sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I'm a backsliding sinner, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have served Satan all my days, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I've sinned against light, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I've sinned against mercy, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. But I have no good thing to bring with me, say you. I will in no wise cast out, says Christ. The Lord has promised unending love and unending grace to forgive all of our sins. Big or small, Jesus has covered them all. His invitation is to come as you are, all of you, again and again, day after day, to work with you to set your heart free from the sin and the mess that entangles you. It was his greatest work of love to see the death on the cross, and it is his greatest ongoing work to see that outworked in you, in your mess, untangling the brokenness and awakening you to the life that he paid for. Tyler says in the book that most people must go to their graves never having felt the freedom of living as their true selves, never having given their true selves to the world and to those they love. So I'd encourage you today, tomorrow, and in the weeks and months that come to allow God to ever reveal to you your truer self um, and go deep with him um, as I finish up, I just want to read another psalm from David. But I just would invite you all, we might just have a moment um, just to sit in quiet and then I'll read this to you. So, yeah, so whether you want to sit quietly, um, whether you want to close your eyes or hold out your hands. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just come to you. Jesus, we accept your invitation. We long to meet with you. And just in the stillness, allow the Holy Spirit to bring things to mind. There may already be things that you've been thinking about this morning, whether in worship or as I've spoken. In Psalm 51, David says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Lord, I thank you that in Jesus all our sins are forgiven, day after day after day. And that as we meet with you, and we present ourselves to you, exposed and vulnerable, you love us as we are, and you meet with us. And that you long to restore us joy. You long to give us greater peace and greater freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, Just as we finish up, the in terms of the confession prayer, because I know we want to do a bit of teaching as well. um, I'll just leave this here. So the idea is really that we would remember God, um, remember who we are in his presence, invite him to search us and highlight some of the mess. We would acknowledge it, say it out loud to Him, confess and acknowledge it, and thank Him for loving you with it, in it, and through it. Um, and as Jesus says, then go and live a life of sin no more. Um, bless you guys. Thank you. Bless You've been listening to the Centerpoint Vineyard podcast. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting our website, www.centerpointvineyard.org. The theme song for this podcast is Highest Praise by Kieran Delhart.